To Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. Hosts Rich and Susan Kohlenberg found freedom from 25 years of out-of-control drug and alcohol addiction. They are living testimonials, and in their series, The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain, Rich and Susan share messages on the problems we face and how Jesus Christ is the remedy to reasoning and thinking right thoughts. Learn how to break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And we'd like to welcome you once again to the kingdom of God, what went wrong with the human brain, because something wrong with the human brain, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, and uh, so what we've been exploring is what has happened to humanity after the Garden of Eden, and and uh, why did Jesus say to Nicodemus, you must be born again, and I mean, by default, if we got to be born again, then there's there's something wrong. Right, because there is something wrong with our first birth. Yep, there's something wrong with that first birth. Uh, there's an infection between our ears that needs to be cured. Uh, Susan, would you please open the program with a word of prayer, please? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you once again for an opportunity to speak about you and your incredible uh, power to heal and restore We ask now that you would send your spirit to be with us and to be with everyone listening. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Romans 8.1 says there's there's no condemnation now for those who live in union with Christ Jesus. And I just, I love that text. And I'd like to couple that text with John 3.17 that says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved or healed from this condition, this condition of fear and, and selfishness. And the amazing thing about uh, about this, these struggles that we go through, these, this condition of, of fear and selfishness, is that it's not new. I mean, human beings have had these battles, these struggles over the centuries, and they're well documented. I mean, think of what Paul wrote in Romans 7, mm-hmm. you know, how he's talking about how he's getting pulled one way even though he wants to go another way. Mm-hmm. And it's not and the, the, battle, he's and the battle he's experiencing, mm-hmm. and he's fighting in that battle. And finally, he comes to the conclusion: you know, I got to die daily. Right. Um, remember Elijah in the cave? Mm-hmm. For you know, one one minute he's calling fire down from heaven, the next minute he's running from Jezebel. Then he ends up in this cave, mm-hmm. and he's kind of freaked out. You know, and it, I think he's depressed. He's at that depressed point as well. He's fighting with that human nature. He's I'm the only one left. Right, because he had this mountaintop experience. Yes. And now he's now he's in a feeling dark lonely. Mm-hmm. Think about Job. I mean, Job's wishing that that, that he had never been born. Right. Cursed as a day. You know, he's got this struggle. Mm-hmm. And the one that that really jumps out at me is Solomon. Mm-hmm. And you read the book of Ecclesiastes because that's basically his confession. Right. And 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 to me. What Solomon is saying there in a nutshell is wisdom doesn't trump nature. Mm-hmm. You know, to boil it down, you could be smart enough to launch the space shuttle and still be committing adultery at night. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's two different things. And and that adultery doesn't have to mean nope. even doesn't even have to be with another person. It could only it could be in your mind. It could be in it your could, mind. It could be it'd internet be porn- pornography. It could be anything right. like that. Right. You see, and so and that's what Solomon is saying there is there's a struggle, mm-hmm. and it's with that old nature. Not really with our intelligence, right? 
It's with that old nature. And um, <clears throat> so David, understanding this, of course, and, and, and in Psalm 51, uh, the title of Psalm 51 uh, kind of sets the stage. Right. So Psalm 51, 1, to the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What's iniquity? It's rebelliousness. Right. He said, wash, can you get, take that, that rebelliousness? He says, because I know, in, in 51.3, he says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Right. So at that point, David acknowledges that there is a birth defect, but that he is looking to God to set him right. We are all born sinners. The Hebrew says that we are born perverse, but we are not born guilty, as some translations say, guilt involves a choice. Exactly. We're so born. we all come with this nature, this tendency, this human nature this with a tendency bent. to do for self. Christ had that same nature, but he overcame exactly. that nature. Exactly. A child born with an autoimmune disease is not born guilty. He's born sick. See, we're all born perverted from God's original design, and he wants to restore us back to that condition. But... He needs our permission. See, David has given him that permission right here in, in Psalm 51. Right. So Psalm 51, 6, uh, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Boy, his words, purge me, wash me, clean me up. Change me. Change right. me. Let me hear, uh, 51, 8, let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have broken rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot all my iniquities create in me a clean heart O god and renew a right spirit within me right wow so he's compl being completely transformed just like me i i was rescued from the guilt of meth and alcohol and all the other drugs because i am no longer that person exactly if I continue in that behavior, I continue to incur the guilt. But if I walk away from it, I can confidently say that it is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And that's God's goal for all of us. It's to eradicate fear and selfishness in our character and to restore us back into harmony with the way his universe operates. Before it was a me, me, me life. Yeah. And now God says, let me change you. And it's you're no longer a taker, but you're a giver. Get back into harmony. But the thing is, is that it almost seems like when I wake up the next day, I have more things ah. that I still have to go through that whole process with. So it's that not, old person wakes up with the with the new person every morning. That's right, because so it's not just the drugs and alcohol. It's it's my thoughts and uh -huh. it's my appetites and it's my nature to do things to. So it's like this. It's like this cycle over and over and over again. But the good news is, is that I that there is a God that wants to restore everything that's contrary to his nature back to the spiritual nature. Because yep, right now we're out of harmony. Right. And God can't change his moral law to meet us in our fallen condition. He needs to change us. Remember Matthew 5.18, he says, Jesus says himself, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, 
not one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. Right. It's just like if you see someone that's drowning in like 10 feet of water and you will realize that God is not going to change the law of respiration um, to meet that person in their condition. And that would, that's the right thing to do. The just thing to do is to get them out of the water, help them to breathe, and put them back into harmony with the laws of health. Put back into harmony with the law of respiration. Because God cannot change his moral law to meet us because then the world would... Chaos. It, it would be chaos. Everything is set in a way that is in harmony with the principle of giving. The principle of, it's called beneficence, that you give... The other person gives, and then in turn, it eventually comes back to you. Everybody yeah. has enough. Yep, yep. You and find somebody in 10 feet of water, you pull them back out and put them back into harmony. That's right. See, we don't—God needs to change us. Yep. We need to be restored back be, into harmony with him. See, my condition of addiction needed to be changed from that which was out of harmony with the laws of health to that which was in harmony with the laws of health so that I might continue to live. But— now, a huge part of that restoration is a spiritual awakening, a new awareness of what is morally right and what is morally wrong, and an understanding that if I live a life free from drugs and alcohol, yet I have no moral compass, mm, mm-hmm. I'm still killing myself. Right. You see, what we put into our bodies, whether it be through our eyes, ears, or mouth, can either bring us health or disease. It's just that way it is. See, y- y- you know, you heard the term a dry drunk. Mm-hmm. It all It's a package. Not putting bad things into your bodies doesn't necessarily mean a needle in your arm. It also means what we're watching, what we're listening to. Uh, and, Sometimes and the thoughts that we're thinking. The thoughts we're thinking, yeah. Now, <clears throat> the last time, right before the program, uh, right before we went off the air, you said something right at the end that was interesting. And on the way home from the program, we vowed to explain... Uh, what you said, and we'd, we'd, we'd do that on this program. What was it that you said? I said that the Bible is not about the do's and the don'ts. So what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible is not a code book of things to do and things not to do. It's a storybook about God and how he treats rebellious children like me and you, even if we hate him. Uh, John five thirty nine says, "Search the you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye may have eternal life." And this is exactly how the Pharisees read their Bible, which was the same Bible that Jesus had, by the way. But they read it in a total different way. They were preoccupied with their performance instead of being preoccupied with Jesus. I like. The way you said that, they were preoccupied with performance instead of being preoccupied with Jesus. So what you're saying is that Jesus read the exact same words through a different lens. And when he did that, he came up with total different conclusions. And he acted a total, di- totally different way towards people. Because he had a different mindset, a different way of thinking, a different lens he looked through. You know, Oswald Chambers once wrote, if the Spirit of God detects any, anything in you that is wrong, he does not ask you to put it right. He asks you to accept the light, and he will put it right. Mm, mm-hmm. You see, the light that you're accepting, the, the light that Chambers is talking about, is not only the truth about you, your condition, that you can do nothing about, mm-hmm. 
but it's the truth about God and the fact that he can do something about your condition. Right. So once again, what is our condition? We are fearful and selfish. What is the only thing that can eliminate fear? Perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? Right. Do we pres- do we possess that perfect love? Nope. So then can we fix ourselves? Nope. So Philippians 3, 6 says, Paul is telling us, I was so zealous that I persecuted the church. As far as a person can be righteous by obeying the commands of the law, I was without fault. Think about it. There's Paul talking about if anybody could be righteous by obeying the commands of the law. But but just think about it. How much fear was Paul living in that he thought it was a good idea to drag innocent women and children out of their homes? What was he afraid of? And he was trying so hard to be a good little boy because his religion was also fear-based. Now, notice how he describes his, looking back, Mm -hmm. notice how he describes his fear-based religion because his religion now is trust in Christ and he realizes that he was looking through the wrong lens. Right, so he goes on to explain in Philippians 3, 7, but all those things that I might count as profit, I now reckon as loss for Christ's sake. Not only those things, I reckon everything as complete loss for the sake of what is so much more valuable, the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have thrown everything away. I considered it all a mere garbage, all, all as mere garbage, so that I may gain Christ. Wow. You know, when I got clean and sober, I looked back at my life and that everything I'd done up to this point was wrong. Mm-hmm. My motives were sick, everything... And Paul is looking back on his life of religion mm-hmm. and saying everything I've done up to this point was wrong. Right. I consider it mere garbage. My motivations were wrong. And uh, so Philippians 3.9 says, uh, and, be, and be completely united with him. I no longer had the righteousness of my own, the kind that is gained by obeying the law. In other words, fear-motivated. I now have the righteousness that is given through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is based on faith. In other words, trust-motivated. So you have two kind of motivations. You have fear motiv- uh, fear that can motivate you or trust that can motivate you, love and trust. Right. Is a marriage based on what your spouse does or doesn't do for you, or is it based on love and trust? I mean, that's, it's, very, it's that simple. We are the bride of Christ, No. So the marriage should be based on a marriage that's based on love and trust lasts. And and not only that, but you'll always, you know, we make mistakes, but you'll always try to do the right thing. We had a great, great, wonderful, godly man that was a friend of ours. And what did he tell you, Rich? My job is to get you to heaven. And what was my job? To get me to heaven. That's right. If you constantly have that in the forefront of your mind, it changes the way you look at things, especially when you, you might be getting irritated or just may want to think you're right, make sure that you're right in some certain... And, and really what it is, is it's always pers- putting the other person first. Yeah. Put the, the, put the other person before you. That's it. That's it. So all Jesus is saying, and all Paul is saying, is that if you spend a life in union with Christ, you will learn to trust him more and more, and learn that helping others is not really all that painful. That's right. right? But, <laughs> it's the thing. But we have to learn to be good, because deep down inside, we're selfish. Um. But we're all at those different levels of moral 
development. Right. So let's let's take a, a quick review again of Lawrence Kohlberg's and Dr. Tim Jennings' seven levels of moral development. Number one is obedience driven by avoidance of punishment. Okay, so that's that's level moral development level number one. Uh, and we, remember, these are these are descriptive. They're just stages we all go through. But uh, this is the most primitive. You can get a dog to obey this way. Uh, this motivation is external. If I'm not good, God will punish me. It's very primitive. Now, uh, the reality is, is that sin punishes sin. Right. And God simply allows it. Right. But we don't grasp this until we grow a little. You know, and the other thing, these, this development can be is also akin to your physical development. You know, so when mm-hmm. you have a child, it's you know you can like threaten them with punishment, and it works. Well, you really have well. to when they're when when, right. when they're rebellious because they don't have any uh, a developed brain in order to reason. You can't explain to them that a, a car going sixty five miles an hour on the asphalt with certain kind of brakes, and you run out in front of it. Is that not when, be able when, to yeah, stop, when that two thousand right. pounds of metal hit you, it's going to do this to your body. Right. You can't explain that to a child. No, you just swat them on the rear yeah, end and tell them you... to get back in the house. Right. right. Yeah. Later on, they can understand the laws of physics, but right, right now, they understand that if they run out in the street, they're going to get in big, I guess big a, trouble. Yeah, I guess the law of physics happens when they're actually driving the car, <laughs> and then how to go. Well, see, then not you got to learn all, too closely behind somebody. You got to learn all that when you're a teenager, and you that's, can't take a corner at eighty when it's. That's that's know. exactly right. So let's see. Let's go level two, right? Yep. Obedience driven by reward and exchange. Okay. What's that? Okay. At this level, we need a Santa Claus to motivate us. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Once again, you can get this kind of obedience out of a dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a we just got a little potbelly pig. His name is Elvis. His name is Elvis. And if we promise him a treat, he'll spin circles for us. Yeah, he'll do. It's pretty any, cool. He'll do anything for a treat. He's definitely motivated by reward. Exactly, but, it's, but once again, see now this is an external motivation. Right. And this this is the level that Satan was operating on when he attacked God over the way he was treating Job. Mm-hmm. Satan argued that Job required external motivation. Mm-hmm. In in fact what what Job was saying to God in this in front of the in front of the beings in the universe was in fact God your whole universe requires external motivation. Your principle of love is not working God. You have to bribe your subjects mm-hmm. because that's the level of that that the devil was operating on and he wanted to bring God down to that level. Well, and to be able to question God in that manner, it must have looked very much similar to that because yeah. the whole world was very, you know, was very wicked at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, number three, obedience is driven by social approval. Okay. What's that? It's going along with the crowd, right? Right. Now, <clears throat> and of course, that's still the, motivated by someone else's external. action to. It's still external make motivation. Change, well, right? And the interesting thing is, is this, this motivation can happen whether you're in a drug crowd, in a bar crowd, or in a church crowd. True. Right? Yes, it doesn't I mean, matter. Right and wrong is determined by what the, the, crowd, mat, what what the, the crowd, crowd is doing. doing. Right. See, level three. Um, and I catch myself doing that. I catch myself in level three. Well, I, th- I think the one thing that we need to explain is that we're not trying to. This is this is just. This is descriptive. We right. all we fall all, into these little we levels. We do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And I, I've caught myself many times. I'm. I play a lot in level two. Reward. Uh-huh. Right. Give me a reward. I'll do stuff. I'll make my moral decisions based on reward. Sure. You bet. Um, let's see. Number four, obedience is driven by obeying authority and conforming to rules. And this this is like similar to a works-based religion. 
a prescribed set of rules that are followed. Some are good and some are, are not so good, but we just do it because it's the rules. So the Pharisees had a lot of rules. They were, um, there are some churches today that have a lot of rules. And, um, and there's nothing wrong with rules as long as you know what, what they mean and why you keep the rules. The Pharisees in Christ's day operated in these first four levels. They needed an external motivation. Yep, they needed external motive. You know, like she was saying, I, I agree with that. That there's nothing wrong with rules as long as you understand what the rules mean, and as long as those rules don't get between you and loving people, or right? You and loving God, right? You can't place them ahead of that. Which is kind of which is what really happened with the Pharisees. They, they said we they, have a law. We right. have a law. You are breaking our law. And then they crucified the most loving, kind person that ever walked the planet. Right. Because of their rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number five, obedience driven by love for others. Okay. Now we're stepping it up a notch. In this is internal remember one through four, external motivation. Five through seven, now these are now internal motivations. You can go 25 in a school zone because level one, you're afraid of punishment. Mm -hmm. Level two, you feel real good about yourself because you just went through there and you maintained the speed law. Mm -hmm. So you're rewarding yourself with a little dopamine because you feel good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you could uh, be afraid that there's a radar gun and and you might get in trouble or just because it's the law. Or just because there's a sign that says 25 miles, right? That's level four, yeah. Or because there's children there. And you don't want it. So then you go through it 10 miles an hour if you have to. Correct. That's level four. No, that's level five. That's level five. I'm sorry. So level six is obedience driven by internal moral principles. Okay. Those operating on this level see sin as as not only being selfish, but sin is hurtful to others. And there's a principle at work. When one person gets temporary selfish gain, someone else loses. You know, when an addict, a, a, a workaholic or an alcoholic is stealing time, and at this level, they'll they can understand that, and 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 okay. Yeah, and so seven is obedience driven by looking at the world through God's eyes and being His understanding friends. Okay, to those operating on this level, sin is not only being selfish, sin is not only hurtful to others, but sin is out of harmony with the way that God set up His universe. We begin to look at every other human being, whether they're homeless addict or a wealthy politician. <laughs> We look at them through God's eyes, not through our own, and we can sympathize with them. We can we can care for them, and we have a whole different view on reality. That's right. So it's it's interesting because when God is speaking to us or to His children in the Bible, He's speaking to all, all of His of children all simultaneously. Of his children. So, and everybody's at different stages of growth, and so that's why, um, so it, it, you know, it, there's different stages. And yet he's somehow able to make sense to us. Yeah, to he makes sense to, to all of us at, at the same time, which is really interesting. Right. You know, and as long as we understand this, he, he, even though a swat on the bottom was my motivation to brush my teeth at age four, it certainly better not be my motivation to brush my teeth today. Right. You better have developed to understand the principles of why you do what you do and knowing it's the right thing for everyone concerned. Exactly. Exactly. Now, next time we're going to talk about a book that we've been looking at. It's called Could It Be This Simple? A Biblical Model for Healing the Mind. The book focuses on the brain and how the brain works and what role our fearful carnal nature plays and how 
with continued use, the brain expands our uh, the neural network. And uh, so we're going to kind of take a peek at that a little bit next week. And also we want to let you know we got a whole new load of our workbooks in. Mm-hmm. And, and we uh, give those out we give to those people for out. free. Give us a call. We'll give, those, uh, give you a, a workbook or we can send you one of these uh one of these books, Could It Be This Simple? And uh, like I say, we're going to look at that next week. Uh, give us a call. Our number is 916-645-1297. That's 916-645-1297. And, uh, or you, you can reach us through our website. www.justasiamministries.com. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle, and the other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Can I feel his pain and his Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series The Kingdom of God, What Went Wrong with the Human Brain? If you or someone you know is living in the captivity of addiction and having trouble finding freedom, Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that God does work miracles. They've created a seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for yourself, someone you know, or your church, Call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com and they'll send one to you. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. Contact them at 916-645-1297 or online at justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.